What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them, whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a die-hard fan. This podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Everybody, it's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, with Adam Hill and Sam Gordon. We are brought to you by betonline.ag. You can find all of our podcasts on reviewjournal.com slash podcast and make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Guys, we have a good one lined up for you today. We're going to hear from UFC featherweight Calvin Cater, who had a huge win last couple weeks back now against Dan Ige at UFC Fight Night in Abu Dhabi. So we're going to talk to him about everything that is in his future, what lies ahead. So stay tuned to hear that interview. And right now we're going to get into some boxing talk because more boxing is coming back. I got the uh, press release about the Showtime boxing. Sam, more things happening now with the boxing front. What news have you for us on uh, what fights we can expect coming from Showtime? Yeah, uh, Showtime announced several um, quality cards Earlier this week, uh, probably most notably, Gervonta, Hank Davis, and Leo Santa Cruz. Um, that fight's scheduled for October 24th. They're going to fight for uh, a couple titles there, a one at 130, a one at 135. Uh, all, these, all these fights are going to be in, at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, um, home of the Connecticut's, the WNBA's Connecticut Sun, um, normally outside of the, uh, the, the pandemic, of course. But I'm interested, you know, really interesting to see um, – the promotion, PBC and Showtime unveil these cards. Looks like they had some time to learn um, kind of procedurally from Top Rank, who, as we know, um, did a lot of cards with the hotel set up here, the bubble set up. I imagine something similar um, from Showtime and from PBC. But, yeah, these are these are quality cards. You have a lot of champions, uh, the Charlos, uh, David Benavidez. Uh, it's, it's, these are quality, quality cards, much better, I think, than what we got from Top Rank um, these last couple months. So going to be really interesting to see – um, what kind of competition comes out w- with these fights, with these cards. And, uh, but definitely exciting to see some, some championship boxing back on the forefront. Yeah, and to what Adam had said last week when we did the show, you know, like you were saying, the top-ranked cards, it's really – you could really see who the favorite is in the match. But this one, I mean, Javonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, there's, there's fights that are coming up that are well – evenly matched i would say and like you said you mentioned um david benavides that one coming back august 15th against romer alexis angelo and then you have the stephen fulton jr fight to kick off things august 1st with angelo leo and that's the return of showtime boxing on august 1st as far as what i have uh, received here so these like you said lots of stuff to look forward to is there any particular one sam that sticks out on your radar right now for the big fight of all of these car- fights that were announced? Yeah, I, I would say the Davis-Santa um, Cruz fight, we, we know what kind of potential Tank Davis has. Uh, we, we know um, what he's capable of in the ring. I mean, he's looked at as a future, um, you know, one of the future faces of the sport. 
Uh, I think this is definitely going to be his toughest test to date. We, we know what Santa Cruz has done in, in multiple divisions. And um, it's it's going to be a big test for him. Uh, also, uh, I guess the other one I would say that's that's of that ilk um, is, is Jamal Charlo and Sergey Devorachenko. Um, we know he fought Triple G tough last year, and Charlo was undefeated, you know, 30 and over 22 KOs. So that, I, I expect that to be a really competitive fight as well. Uh, I think you're, you – what top rank was able to do is you had the big names, right? You had Oscar Valdez just this past week. You had Shakur Stevenson, but you couldn't, they, they weren't against quality opponents. And what PBC and Showtime are doing is they're getting their, their best fighters out there and they're getting them in there with quality competition where, Hey, you know, you might see an upset or two and you might see a title change hand. So those are the two I definitely have my eyes on. Um, and I'm excited for them to get started. But but Sam, you can you know those fights are great. The Santa Cruz Davis fight is really really good. I'm I'm excited for that one. But we know what the big fight coming up is. I mean, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> we definitely do. Uh, who saw that one coming this morning? Right. <laughs> that should be a lot of fun. I mean, we've seen those training videos, and there was a lot of speculation about Mike Tyson. Uh, is he going to return to the ring? Now I didn't know he was going to come back um, and actually fight. And, and I definitely didn't think he was going to come back and fight somebody like Roy Jones Jr., but I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to be an exhibition in, in California in September. It's not, I don't think it's going to be anything too serious, nothing too crazy. You're going to see a couple legends, a couple all-time great boxers uh, showcase what they have for the fans and, you know, maybe a little nostalgia in the process. This is insane, too, because he's like 54 years old. And what I'm seeing, Adam, and I don't know if you've seen differently because you're always on top of these numbers, that there's already a course on opening line from Bet Online AG, and that being Mike Tyson uh, favored at minus 350, Roy Jones, the underdog, plus 275. Yes, Sam, where are you on, on the how it actually matches up? Because here's the thing. Tyson is 54. He hasn't fought since 2005, and he looked terrible then. So, yeah, the training videos, he looks like he can still kill you with one punch. But Roy Jones, even though he, you know, he is what he is, he was fighting as recently as 2018. I feel like there's a, a huge advantage there. Yeah, I, I would say there's an advantage, too. And when, Heidi, when you re read me those numbers, that was a little surprising that, that Tyson is that much of a favorite. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the cachet of Mike Tyson and, and the videos because of how compelling they are. Uh, probably had something to do with that line that, you know, they figured that they're going to get a lot of action on, on Tyson um, just because of who he is. But like Roy Jones Jr., regardless of, you know, 50, like he's, he may not have had, you know, quite the, uh, how do I want to say this? The, the backstory or the, the public appeal that Tyson did, but Roy Jones Jr. was a bad man. Like, let's not, let's not forget about that. This was one of the baddest men of all time as well. So I, I could easily – I mean, I don't, I don't think Mike Tyson is this overwhelming favorite by any means. I think Roy Jones, like you said, I mean, he's actually been in the ring recently, been training more recently, been training for actual fights more recently. And um, dare I say this, I, it, it could be uh, actually a, kind of a compelling matchup there. <laughs> for a couple of rounds. For a couple of rounds. Yeah, for a couple of rounds. I don't want to see late, late round 54-year-old Mike Tyson. To see what he has in the tank? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think I'm interested. I'm interested in like three rounds of that. Yeah, he, I mean, oh, I think you guys are both nuts. I'm crazy in the the thing going the distance, the full eight rounds. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> do they have Do they have any odds for that yet? Rounds yet? I, or well, I suppose we'll no. get closer to fight night. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a mess. 
So yeah, that broke just uh, literally like maybe about 30 minutes or so before we got on air here. So Mike Tyson making a comeback, fighting Roy Jones Jr. Eight round exhibition taking place September 12th. Um, looks like it's happening at Dignity Sports Park. Am I right about Dignity Health Sports Park? Yep. Yeah, so that's on the California State Athletic Commission. I would assume that they would have to go through the licensing process. And there, there I believe is a different process when you're over, I believe, 40 for any state commission to license these guys. Obviously, they're going to, I think, license them. They're both in good health. But at 54, do you think, um, Adam or Sam, whoever can answer this best, that that's like the oldest return age of a fighter to come back and get licensed by any commission? I mean, has there ever been an older fighter to get a license than Tyson, if he is? Oh, that's a great question. I know Bernard Hopkins was he fought for a long time, um, and then George yeah. Foreman. But I don't know if they were fifty-four. <laughs> well, it's got there's got to be it's got to be close, and I think it's a different uh, licensing for an exhibition as opposed to you know an all-out professional fight as well. Uh, so you know we'll see how they how they play it out. I I, I don't know. This is I mean it's a mess. It's a disaster. That's what I love. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know I'm interested, but I just I don't know what we're actually going to see in terms of a product. Yeah, so, okay, Foreman's last fight, he was 48 as far as what was on his... was 51. Yeah, yeah, so... And Roy Jones is 51 now, and he just fought two years ago. Oh, it's crazy. Respect, I guess. It's crazy, right? (laughs) I tried to do 20 minutes of yoga today, and my knee kept giving out, so I don't know how these guys are able to do it. To to, to do it for that long, I think, you know, especially, I mean, Roy Jones, who actually continued to fight professional fights throughout his 40s, um... I mean, it shows you how dedicated they are to the craft, how much love they have for the sport. And, you know, Tyson, you know, I don't think it's, I mean, it's well documented that some of that passion for him went, went away uh, as he experienced some of his success. But if, if he, if he found it and if he, if he truly is passionate about this comeback, then, then that's awesome. I mean, we know the trials and tribulations he's been through and a little bit of redemption for him in the form of this exhibition. All right. So there you have it. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. set to fight September 12th. 2020. And uh, right now, I mean, it, it seems almost anticlimactic to go and talk about the UFC fights coming up, but we do have UFC fights coming up here this weekend. Adam, um, what's on the docket over at Yaz Island? Because I mean, this one, I already know what's there, what's happening. And I think it's going to be a really exciting fight here. Um, the return of Robert Whitaker, and he's going to be taking on Darren Till. But I mean, this this fight, I think, has the potential to be a, a really, really like just all out war. What do you make of this one? Yeah, it does, and and the, and the card around it is going to be very reminiscent of Tyson Jones. I think a lot of old fighters uh, that are going to be in the cage on on Saturday uh, or Sunday in in Abu Dhabi, I guess we should say. But yeah, the main event there until Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker, of course, was the champion uh, in the middleweight division. He lost his title to Israel Adesanya. Uh, at the end of last year, but it was bigger than that. I mean, Robert Whitaker talked a lot about just being burnt out, and uh, you know he was he was kind of frustrated with the training, and you know he's got his family that he wants to be around, but he's training, he's traveling all over the place, and just kind of got burnt out on the sport. And and the Israel Adesanya fight just really took a lot out of him. He stepped away for a while, and he said he's just kind of rejuvenated. the The quarantine actually helped him. He said, kind of you know focus into a different. Uh, type of mindset and just kind of really learn to enjoy it again, uh, get into the process of training and 
And he also learned how to tell his his camp, like, no, I'm not training today. I don't want to train today. This isn't going well for me. I'm not feeling it. Uh, he learned how to communicate a little bit better. So uh, interested to see where Robert Whitaker is in terms of mindset, if he's got that hunger back for the sport. And, you know, when he does, he's very dangerous. He's got he's such a well-rounded striker and uh, such, a, such a well-rounded fighter in general, but he can do so much uh, in that striking game. He's so effective there until – you know, we, we saw him really wreck a lot of people and then get to the top of the 170-pound division and kind of fall apart a little bit against some of the contenders. Uh, you know, Tyron Woodley uh, really took him out, and then uh, you had the Masvidal fight that didn't go well for him. So he moved up to middleweight, looked pretty good. I mean, that seems to be where he fits in better in terms of the weight cut, which was brutal for him to 170. Uh, looked a little bit more comfortable against Gastelum at 185, and now he can take another step forward with Robert Whitaker. I mean, I think if Robert Whitaker is right, uh, I think he should uh, he should have a lot of success in this fight, and he's the favorite, a real slight favorite, one twenty five. But he's a favorite for a reason uh, because he's done it at such a high level. But Darren Till has that you know ability to change the fight with one left hand, so I think it should be a pretty good matchup. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you know Robert Whitaker for a long time uh, he was going through uh, the inability to say no, so to speak, that he was overtraining, that he was going in too often, and. Um, there was a report, you know, that he had to deal with like his own mental health and learning how to overcome that and learning how to step back and step away from everything. And on top of it, he had, you know, a litany of injuries for some time. So now that he's back, um, you know, I think what quarantine has done for a lot of fighters, and I think it's been helpful for a lot of fighters, is it's helped them reset their bodies because they put themselves through so much um, just on a daily basis with training that a lot of guys have had the ability to take the time, step away and heal uh, more than just their bodies. But like Whitaker was saying, like mentally as well. So um, yeah, this one, like you said, Whitaker coming off of that loss to Adesanya and a brutal one, a knockout at that. So I'm um, curious to see how he rebounds being that in the UFC, I mean, he really hadn't lost since early on in his career the last loss before Adesanya was to Stephen Thompson. So, uh, you know, and then he had a, a huge streak where he was unbeatable for quite some time. So I, I can't wait to see how he rebounds from this loss in this time. What other fight, Adam, stands out to you on this card? Well, you know, obviously the co-main is, as I was referencing, some of the, uh, some of the veterans of the sport, uh, Nogueira and, and Shogun uh, really, you know, matching up there in that co-main, which, you know, guys that have been around forever and guys that people are very familiar with, of course. But I'm I'm looking at how Alexander Gustafson will look at heavyweight. That's that's the fight that I have circled uh, on this card. Gustafson, you know, former light heavyweight contender, was 0-3 in title fights at, at 205. But, of course, you know, those losses are John Jones a couple of times and, and Daniel Cormier. So no shame in that. Uh, but Gustafson had retired, and now he's decided, you know what, let me give it a try. Let me move up to heavyweight, at least for, for a little bit. And uh, taking on former champion Fabricio Verdum, who, like Tyson and Roy Jones, I think is 60 at this point. <laughs> but Verdum's still around. You know, former champion, has got all kinds of ability. Uh, will really put Gustafson to the test. It's, if Gustafson looks good at heavyweight uh, and, you know, is able to, you know, to work over uh, Verdum like he's supposed to, according to the lines makers, uh, you know, maybe Gustafson has kind of, you know, found found a spot for himself there. Maybe if he doesn't have to cut weight, he'll, he'll be a little bit more comfortable and, uh, we'll see how he can settle in at heavyweight, but I think that uh, will be a good one uh, to to check out. And then you know, there's a couple other fights sprinkled throughout the card, but 
I think at the top, there's at least some very familiar names, which has not always been the case of Fight Island. No, it hasn't. So I am, like you said, looking forward to this one as well. But let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Calvin Cater, who's going to join the show here and talk about his recent win over Dan Ige at UFC Fight Island. So stay tuned right here on the RJ Ringside Podcast. Boards are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you a chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit BetOnline.com ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news remember to use promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code blue wire ben online your online wagering experts rj ringside adam hill heidi fang and sam gordon back here with ufc featherweight contender calvin cater who is on quite a rise here after coming off the Fight Island win over Dan Ige. Uh, two straight wins for Calvin as he uh, continues to rise in the division. He's with us right now. How you doing, man? Hey, good, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So you you were on Fight Island. Let's get into that first before we talk about the fights. I mean, just what was that experience like in general to be on this isolated part of the Middle East and and, and fighting with no crowd and just this whole experience of, of weirdness? Yeah, Chaos is the is the new normal, and uh, but you know fight camps are chaotic, and I, I'm I kind of joke around, but a little serious with when how I tell people that this is kind of like a normal fight camp, is you know you just self isolation and social distancing is the is the daily routine for a fighter. So um, welcome to a fight camp world. So. What just uh, just being there in general? Did you get to experience much of of you know Yaz Island and, and Abu Dhabi, or was it just kind of at the hotel and then fight and then you're back? No, this one was a little different, which which is nice. You know, haven't been here before. I'm just understanding that the the journey is the destination. When I hit Russia, I, I didn't really get to see anything but the hotel rooms, and yeah. uh, that kind of sucked for me. You know, so I said next time I get these opportunities, I'm gonna try to go a little early. And uh, fortunately, the UFC had already planned for us to get out there a little over a week, so. I had some some time earlier on the trip to to go uh, hit the F1 racing, which is a little bit below our hotel at the W in Abu Dhabi, and then uh, and then we went jet skiing a little bit. But that was all kind of funny games were done on Sunday, and then it was all fight week business uh, for Wednesday, actually Thursday morning Abu Dhabi time. What was what was the adjustment uh, for you in terms of you know fighting in the middle of the night? No, we actually fought at 8 a.m. Very weird. So. Yeah, so it was a little different, but uh, we stuck to the normal Eastern time sleep schedule and uh, and just going to bed at around 8 p.m., waking up at 3, 4, <laughs> and just being ready to fight, uh, getting some shakeouts in for 8 a.m. But definitely an adjustment. And now that I finally adjusted, time to go back home and, and be thrown through a loop again with the time zone. So still recovering out here. Well, you've, you've kind of like made this, you know, you mentioned it's it's the new normal. It's a weird time right now. But you've really taken advantage of this of this period where a lot of people were just, you know, I don't know if I should even fight or compete, and there was so much uncertainty. Yep. You you took two fights, you won them both. You know, very different but very impressive uh, fights for both of them, and and both of them really, you know, 
were, were beneficial in terms of your status in the division. So, you know, what has, what have you done so right here to really, you know, take a leap here during this time? Just staying ready for opportunities should they present themselves. And, uh, and a couple did, fortunately for us. And yeah, it's, it's the only uh, UFC fight I want to say to go 2-0 during the pandemic. You know, I think all these guys are trying to set up training and figure things out or just Twitter beef from the comfort of their own home. We're out here just figuring it out, making it happen, you know, and, and uh, I think I deal with adversity better than most of these guys. So I see this as a strength and a big opportunity of mine to come out and be active while others are sitting back and, uh, you know, kind of being a little bit more complacent. Hey, Calvin. So the Dan Ige fight was the first fight of a new deal that you have with the UFC, a six fight contract. So how does it feel to know that they're putting this kind of long term investment into you? Yeah, definitely. And uh, hopefully we get to that part in the contract where we fight the titles and we can renegotiate again. And uh, I think we, we have a good forecast of what we're trying to do, but it really all boils down to winning fights. So that's where my attention is going in the gyms, training, and uh, keep getting these W's. And, and I know those contracts are going to only increase. So what is next for you now? Right now, what's next for me is uh, I'm out here for my buddy's birthday in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, grabbing a lobster roll. And uh, and then later tonight, going back, getting a little sweat in with, uh, with my teammate Rob Font. And uh, the coaches, man, New England Cartel, going to see what's next. And, and hopefully be ready for, just like I said, another opportunity that presents itself because all these guys are sitting back, not ready for anything, and it leaves an opportunity for me to go out and uh, snatch whatever's out there, you know, and, and just stay busy, stay active, and, and just earn my next shot. So you, you've been on the promoting side of things, uh, you know, for a while. How, how much has that helped you kind of realize the, you know, the importance of being ready and being, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities? Like seeing the other side of the business, what has that done for you? It's huge. It's, it's huge. And just, uh, you know, seeing how they're treating the fighters at the highest level, then, allows me to go and just see what things I can do and offer to the fighters on a local level to just help prepare them for that next level, even if it's just down to having your paperwork and medicals in. Because some of these guys on a local level don't even have that or good management of people um, you know, handling their career. So you just take an initiative, making sure you don't lose a fight over a, a paperwork, such as like a medical, things like that. Being professionals, UFC really appreciates professionalism. And, uh, and, and yeah, no, it, it's a big help uh, having – you know, being a promoter while continuing to compete. You keep saying it, New England cartel, Boston's fifth team. You're talking about helping the young up-and-comers out of, out of Boston that are interested in the sport. So who came up with the idea and coined the phrase, the New England cartel? That's my teammate, Ralph Fawn. He coined the term, and, and we're, we're, all, we're all represented now. We're giving something for everyone in New England to get behind. And, uh, and we're out, like you said, these things don't happen if we're not out winning fights. So... For us, it's just a group of guys that are going out and getting wins by any means necessary. And, uh, and and you're seeing us busy while others are sitting back. You know, it's just a mindset that separates us. You gave Rob the credit for uh, for the name. What about the logo? The logo is sick, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all came together working with this guy, our buddy Jeff McGarn. He runs uh, Primary Jane as well as one of our sponsors. Uh, CBD company helps us with all, like, the nicks and acts from the day-to-day training camp. And uh, he, he actually put together the New England Cartel logo for us. Now we got it on some swag uh, that we're pumping out there. And it's pretty cool, man, seeing my kids and uh, everyone support and just wearing the New England Cartel shirts. It's an awesome movement we got going. But like you said, it all comes down to winning fights. And uh, we're doing our job while these guys and everyone out there is just doing their part to support us and get that name out there. And it's just it's awesome to see. It's motivating. So we, we mentioned New England Cartel. Obviously, you can hear the voice, uh, Massachusetts guy, uh, for – 
uh, Calvin Cater here. But here's here's the thing. You guys are, you know, Boston's fifth team. The first mm-hmm. two teams, the Red Sox and the Patriots, this might not be the best times for them. <laughs> yeah, listen, man. Someone's got to step up around here. Someone's got to start winning something. And uh, and not that the, the Patriots haven't yet. You know, they have resume keeps themselves. But we want to bump shoulders with these guys, man. There's a reason why they call us title town. And uh, I'm proud to be from this area and represent them on the, the biggest stage in the world at the UFC. Are you nervous or excited about Patriots without Tom Brady? I'm nervous and excited for the Patriots without Tom Brady. We still got Bill Belichick and in Bill we trust, as we like to say, you know, in New England. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, your your next step and where you go from here. Uh, how do you kind of shape up the featherweight division? How do you analyze those guys, those guys that are ahead of you right now? And how do you see the division I next think, year? I think they're all enjoying their pandemic, uh, sitting back, <laughs> relaxing. And just twittering about what's going on with the guys that are actually stepping in there, like Danny Gay and myself. Uh, I think we got some good matchups coming up from some of them, hopefully, uh, maybe. So they're so they're saying, and uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, those kind of all go as planned, and uh, and then we hopefully take on one of those guys at the top coming up soon. Like I said, I want the champ, but if I can't get the champ, I want the guy that gets me to the champ. So. Uh, Regardless, all we're doing is staying busy and let these guys uh, figure out what's up on their end, man, because it's about time they kick off the 2019 with a fight. We're only halfway through the year now. Do you feel like you need to uh, engage? Obviously, you're talking about the other people you know, tweeting at each other and fighting more on Twitter than in the cage. Do you, do you need to do more of that? More what? Fighting in the cage? No, do you need to do more of the – you're talking about other people just tweeting Twitter? fighting. Yeah. I mean, oh, man, yeah, you, you might think so, man, but, like, it's, it's tough. This is, at the end of the day, that's, like, the business model. It's about talking shit, back it up. But, um, you know, being from New England, it's like when you're about to start some shit, you kind of talk less, you know, and, right. and uh, it's, a, it's a learning curve for me. So trying to go out there, promote the fights, but end of the day, man, uh, results speak for themselves. So it doesn't matter really what you say if you can't back it up. I'm a little more worried about backing it up over here. And uh, I'll let these guys stick with the Twitter beef and, and see how it works out for them when we you know, step across from each other come fight night. I read a really fascinating story about you. I want to see uh, if it's true. When you said you wanted to be a fighter, did your dad say that you had to submit him first? Yeah, he's, he's talking some, some shit like that. But I, I think he was just, man, I don't know. We we're, were on the job site out front digging holes. He's doing irrigation. <laughs> so I'm thinking of beating either way. I either like to do irrigation or I go to the gym. I'm like, I'm going to start going to the gym more, man. This sucks. <laughs> they both, both like either way you feel like you're getting your ass kicked, you know, might as well be in the gym. But uh, I'm training with, uh, I'm up far and he's like, yeah, you want to do it? You got to take me down. So all of a sudden we start going at it, push him into that, like, tackle him to the truck. I put a dent in the truck. And then all of a sudden the homeowner comes out front thinking we're like really fighting. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm good. Go in the house. And I didn't submit him, but what I told him was I would have definitely TKO'd him down in town, but I'm not going to do that to my father on the job site, you know? I'll end up not getting paid. Easy money, easy money. But, yeah, that was that was uh, what happened. Tremendous story for sure, and uh, we'll see how this keeps, how this keeps building. And, uh, you know, right right there in the featherweight division, still making moves and uh, on the verge of uh, right, right being at the top, man. So we appreciate it, and, and good luck to you. Thank you very much. I'm good talking to you guys. I appreciate the time.
Again, that was Calvin Cater joining us here on the RJ Ringside podcast. And make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want all the great interviews that we have here, you can find all of them as well online at reviewjournal.com slash podcast or just by subscribing wherever you're listening. And you can follow all of us on social media. Adam on Twitter is at Adam Hill LVRJ by Sam Gordon for Sam. And I'm at Heidi Fang. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back next week.